So what people have done over many decades is to come up with ways of making time machines. So what Caroline's machine is unique in a way that it's a very, very simple example of a time machine in which you in fact don't need exotic matter. You need something else which is maybe even weirder, which is singularities. Again, to picture space-time as a fabric, not only would it be pinched, but infinitely stretched. You're listening to Widdishian's podcast, where we take the ultimate sci-fi themes found in books and movies and discuss them with the world's leading scientists, engineers, and experts. This week's podcast is brought to you by our sponsors and preferred retailers, Wordery and The Book Depository. And this is the second part of a two-part series on time travel and time loops. And the book whose theme I decided to reflect on this week is The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. Because in this series of novels, Douglas Adams refers often to time as an illusion. And as he continues to proceed through writing his novels, like many authors before him, he turned increasingly to time travel and parallel reality, so it was the perfect book for this particular episode. The link to The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy can be found in the show notes. My name is Amy Rose, and in this episode, I speak with Dr. Gaurav Khanna and PhD student Carolyn Mallory. Dr. Khanna is a professor in the physics department and the associate director of the Centre for Scientific Research at the University of Massachusetts. And Carolyn Mallory is a doctoral student at the same university, and she has just published a new model for a time machine in the Journal of Classical and Quantum Gravity. And this new model, as we discuss in this episode, is very exciting because it doesn't require any negative mass or exotic material and offers a very simple design for a time machine. There's this argument about exotic matter and or negative mass, which needs to be present in time loops. Now, what you and Caroline have been researching says that you don't need exotic matter for what you have for the time machine or whatever we're going to, I don't know what to call it, but that you've come up with. Can you explain why other people think you need exotic matter and what it is and why perhaps you don't need it? Uh, sure. So first of all, exotic matter is just a, a loosely defined term, which is meant for any kind of matter that has some very unusual properties. Yeah. And in this context, in the context of time loops and closed time-like curves and things of that type, usually it refers to matter which has a very unusual property that it has negative mass or negative energy in essence. And negative mass is a very strange thing. It basically, you know, to sort of think of it from a everyday perspective, it would be some material that falls up, you know, on the Earth, so it doesn't quite fall down as we are used to uh, when it comes to uh, gravity. Or it could be material that, you know, if you basically has, has negative inertia, so which means that if you try to push it, it doesn't go along, it doesn't move with the push, it actually moves in the opposite direction, so it actually moves towards you. You push it away and it actually just comes towards you. So some very highly unusual type of material. And this type of material has never really, there's never been any experimental evidence of this being around or influencing things. So people don't 
expect this exotic matter to be available or something that uh, we could make, especially not easily. Although there's no theorem or there's no real deep physical law that would prevent it. It's just unlikely given how unusual its properties are. So in theory it exists. What would it, I mean, when I think exotic matter, (laughs) I think of like slime or something just gross that just happens to appear somewhere. What exactly does it look like? What is it like a tiny little particle? Is it like a, what is it? So there's no restriction on what it could look like in the sense that we're just talking about a specific property. So when you're talking about, let's say, a tiny particle, you're referring to a size. Or you're talking about something that's slimy, you're referring to its texture and its whether how, how it morphs and how it moves and things of that type, mm. how it feels like. Here, we're just referring to a single property, which is its mass. Now, beyond that... It could be tiny, it could be large. Like, for example, perhaps, I'm just sort of speculating, maybe there's a whole star made of this matter. I mean, highly unlikely, but you know, one could imagine you cool. could have an astrophysical yeah. object made, made of these things. So other than the fact that we expect it to have negative energy or negative mass, there really isn't anything else that one can really say about it. Part of it is, of course, we don't, there's no direct reason direct observation of anything of this type, so it's very hard to say what it would actually look like, other than to just theoretically you know, try to estimate or, or guess, or guesstimate, perhaps. So most people who say that time loops are impossible because we don't have any exotic matter with negative mass, are they restricting themselves in their, because they, they've just come up with this, you know, their belief and they can't move forward? <laughs> so I can explain that a bit. So basically... The way physics typically would work, or theoretical physics would work, would be that there's certainly some theorems and some results, some laws, but they come. you come to those after looking at lots and lots of examples or experiments or thought experiments, as Einstein used to say, in which you sort of, you know, conjure up a certain setup and you try to make predictions on what it would do and try to explore what that would mean. So what people have done over many decades is to come up with ways of making time machines, in essence, a closed time-like curve. And anytime they do that, and there's been many, many, many such thought experiments on how you could do it, Caroline's machine is one such example. And anytime you do that, you basically find that this exotic matter appears to pop up pretty generically. So what Caroline's machine is unique in a way that it's a very, very simple example of a time machine in which you, in fact, don't need exotic matter. You need something else, which is perhaps equally weird or maybe even weirder, which is singularities. But that's a separate question. The point is that this exotic matter is not needed. And that's how this is put in context of previous work. Now, eventually, there may be somebody that may be able to take all the examples and generalize them into a rigorous theorem or result, which basically says something profound. Okay. Caroline, back to you. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I said that curves in space and time cause mass and pressure. And we can do some general relativity math and say that if space and time have some funny curves in them, they might produce matter that had negative mass. And that's one type of exotic matter. 
or funny curves in space and time could produce matter that had positive mass, but very high negative pressure. That also qualifies as exotic matter if the negative pressure is high enough. So exotic matter can be negative or positive and like it's just exotic. Yeah. So what actually makes it so that if you have very negative pressure, it counts as exotic matter is if someone traveling close to the speed of light were to look out the window and look at this object, would they see negative mass? And the way that this kind of works is that if an object has very negative pressure associated with that, it can appear to this relativistic observer like it has negative mass if it's exotic matter that has positive mass, but very high negative pressure. So negative pressure is sort of like suction. So for example, if you put a foam cup in the positive pressure of the deep ocean, it'll get crunched down to something smaller. But if it was in a negative pressure environment, it might expand or fragment. So there's kind of limits on how much negative pressure an object can have and still be considered normal matter. So our wire time machine model just barely meets this requirement to still be considered non-exotic matter. It does have very high negative pressure, but not quite enough to tip it into that region where it would be considered exotic matter. So does that mean you've almost created exotic matter that people say you can't find? Um, Well, it's all done in the math. So we didn't actually create it. We did out the math to see if you could describe curves in space-time that both allowed time loops and did not contain negative matter or negative mass, exotic matter. We were able to do that. So you've been able to sort of simulate it, I guess. We've been able to mathematically describe it, but the matter is considered exotic because we just don't see it out in the classical universe. So we think that maybe space and time can't curve in a way that produces exotic matter. The technical term for this kind of thing, it's the weak energy condition. And that's what our paper kind of revolves around is that having these closed time-like curves does not require violation of the weak energy condition. It does require some other weird stuff. It has a huge naked singularity in it, which if I'm going to describe a singularity, I would probably describe it as a pinch point in the fabric of space-time. So you've probably seen those sort of pictures of, you know, stars sitting on a curved sheet and that kind of stuff. If we're going to make that analogy, then we would say that A singularity is where the sheet is pinched. It comes to a point. And a naked singularity would be one that's not hidden behind the event horizon of a black hole. So it's just kind of out there in the universe and we can look at it. But we probably can't make one either way. Oh, come on. Don't limit yourself. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) You've got years to go before you... I'm still still looking at this kind of thing. I'm still curious as to why getting rid of the exotic matter required having this singularity instead. It implies that something is going on in the background. There's some kind of condition or law in there. And we just don't know what it is yet because we don't have enough examples yet. It's like Professor Kana was saying about how these kind of laws, they're made out of lots and lots of examples until someone can put it all together and come up with a nice clean way of describing things. So you're still working on it. You're still passionate about it. Yes, I I am still passionate about it. 
I mean, I am trying to figure out what is causing this sort of as a sideline on another project. I'm currently trying to make a program that will actually allow you to visualize all these curves in space time and how they result in different energy and matter conditions and have it all be legitimate with all the general relativity math going on behind the scenes and the result is a picture. And I'm hoping that when I actually have this thing running that I'll be able to have a better intuitive understanding of what's going on besides having made a kind of interesting thing. But, uh, (laughs) you know, it's it's, it's, interesting is like (laughs) understatement. It gets rolled in (laughs) with other stuff that I have to do for uh, my PhD requirement. Okay, so we don't need exotic matter, but what I do want to talk about, you briefly touched on it, is this singularity business. So that's something that you do need in your time machine. So can you tell me how did you mathematically create this singularity? And also, do you think like in the next 50 years we'll be able to create these singularities? Well, kind of what's going on with a singularity is that if you were, again, to picture space-time as a fabric, not only would it be pinched, but infinitely stretched at this point in the center. And what I was trying to do is to find a way to get rid of that point and that infinite stretching, and then, you know, to get rid of the singularity. But every time that I tried to change the numbers just a little bit to get rid of this pinch point in space where everything gets infinite, I wound up with the exotic matter coming back. I don't really understand why. It just seems like nature found a different way to prevent time loops. Why? is interesting. I don't know the answer. Perhaps. Now, I'm just like throwing it out there and I'm sorry I'm going off the questions, but if everyone else says that you need exotic matter to create a time loop and you've accidentally came up with a way to create almost exotic matter. I mean, together, you could probably create a time loop properly. Is that how it could work? Excuse my illiteracy. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's two different creations here. So I guess the level one creation is coming up with a theory for why it could even exist. So currently, we don't have a theory of that would allow us to get rid of the uh, singularities and the exotic matter, because we don't even know why getting rid of the exotic matter seemed to always produce the singularity. We don't have a theory for why that occurred. And uh, having a theory for why that occurred that was you know valid in all the potential circumstances would let us know whether anything could be built Currently, we're thinking, no, we can't build it because we don't even have a theory of how it works. We need more. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, there's like just you Um, and God. Yeah. So then the, um, I mean, actually building things is is an engineering problem. Yeah. Even if it technically were physically possible, the engineers would have a huge problem on their hands. Well, it's only a matter of time. Pardon the pun. I want to know, and I know you might be thinking about what your peers might think, but just forget about them for a second. Um, (laughs) How likely is it that time travel will exist in the future? I mean, I know there's all these things that need to happen, but it sounds like one little switch needs to be turned on for everything to come into place. How likely do you think this is? 
So yeah, oh my, that's a big, big question to ask. Do it. But um, okay, so I will. So I will say that that of course is a very hard thing to speculate on. But what I can say is that I'm pretty confident in the next fifty years, we will have enough theory developed that can very clearly answer whether or not time travel is possible or not. I'm willing to bet my retirement on this, <laughs> on this piece of it. Whether one can build it or not, if it's possible indeed, that I think is a much harder question, partly because it depends on our engineering friends and how far they can take you know, the theory that, as Caroline said, that's been developed and applied to real-world materials and things of that type to develop something practical. So I'd be willing to give you that within 50 years, we will know for sure whether we can time travel in principle and what it would take or not, but I think it'll be very hard for us to have a time machine in that time frame. I actually don't think we're going to have a time machine in 50 years, but we would have, in theory, yes, an answer to that. Okay, another side question to that. Let's just say that within 50 years that we have discovered that time travel is possible, but it may take 200 years to engineer a device that can allow us to move in time. What if someone in 200 years sent the time machine here and sort of (laughs) sped it up a bit? Do you think, like in your understanding of time travel, do you think that's a possibility? So basically, this is something that has been thought through for some time now. In fact, you may be familiar with Stephen Hawking was very famous for holding these time traveler parties in which he would invite at a certain specific moment and specific place all time travelers to come, time travel back or whatever, you know, and come and meet him at this particular day in a particular time at a particular location. And probably won't surprise you that nobody ever came. (laughs) So... He therefore speculated, in fact, I'm not sure if it was him, although other people may have speculated, that it's possible that you can't time travel to a time in the past before a time machine's been invented in the first place. So if, let's say, Caroline invents a time machine today and she builds it today, then the earliest time anyone in the future using that machine could time travel to into the past would be today. They couldn't go you know, into, let's say, the 1940s or something, because the time machine didn't exist at that time. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's how I would want to respond to that. Okay, that's fair enough, because I have heard that theory before, but I'm just going to stay in my own land and imagine that that doesn't exist for now. (laughs) (laughs) That's just Um, fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Caroline, here it is. What happens, because... Everyone's saying you get squished if you go into a black hole and all the pressures and everything are going to, you know, like don't even bother even trying. It's not going to happen. So what I've heard you say is that you won't be affected by the black holes. Is that is If you're crossing the event horizon of a black hole, so not down at the center, but just where the black hole begins, what would actually tear you apart is the gradient it's the tidal forces. It's your feet are going, if you're going in feet first, your feet are going to be pulled on more than your head. And if there's a big difference in how much your feet and your head are getting pulled on, you'll be ripped apart. However, with the very big black holes, there isn't a big difference in tidal forces 
from like one foot outside the event horizon to six feet outside the event horizon. And therefore, you could pass over that event horizon without getting torn apart if it's a large black hole without much gradient of tidal forces near the edge. I don't know how much that helps. (laughs) But little black holes, yeah, you would get torn apart. And if you fell all the way into them, you might get torn apart too. It's, It's an open question what's actually in there. We speculate. We don't know exactly. Yeah, because people say there's a singularity in there. And essentially, if we can get in there, we could travel in time. Yeah, there's different shapes of singularity. So the one that you're referring to now is sort of like, it's more like, I would call it like a membrane singularity. It would be sort of a pinch surface in space that you could potentially pass through without getting totally destroyed. But that's a very specific type of singularity in a very specific model. In the simplest model of a black hole, one that doesn't spin and is just what we call a Schwarzschild black hole, then the math says there's just a point at the center into which everything would just get crunched down. And that certainly would destroy you. But there's different types of singularities. In the case of this wire time machine model, the singularities are actually in the form of lines. So they're not points, they're not membranes, they're lines. And going in this time loop actually wouldn't require you to go anywhere near them in this model. I just had this other weird thing pop in my head. It happens all the time. But your wires, they, they go on forever in a loop. Okay, so there's different shapes. It's, it's kind of like a family of potential solutions to this problem. And the very simplest model involved wires that were infinitely long and it makes the math easier to describe it like that. And so that's what we did in the paper. However, you can do an equivalent thing with a wire that is itself a loop, a whole chain of looped wires and those kind of things. But as you can probably tell, this makes things a lot more complicated. You probably have trouble picturing what I'm talking about. And No, I'm just thinking of like... Yeah, there's no reason for you not to have trouble. This is why we didn't <laughs> the paper, because it becomes a big mess. But I can imagine, so I'm, I decide that I've got a loop now, so I can go all the way back to when I was born, you know, in this loop, and I can eventually come back to where I am now. And with these wires, I know I'm going crazy, just bear with me. Could I just like eventually, if all of these, if the mathematics was to line up, um, would I be able to stop like two weeks ago and then continue on and come back to now and just choose points in time along that wire? In this super simple model with the super simple rocket in the video, I just made it a rocket because it looks nice. I can actually rig the various velocities so that it will come out some arbitrary, out of the time loop, some arbitrary time before it entered it. But it's a very simple model. So yeah, the math says you can do it. Whether or not you actually can do it is a different story. Yeah, well, we just need engineers to get on board. (laughs) That's all we need. And then we'll figure it out. So it's okay. (laughs) Okay, the last question. I'm going to ask you both separately, but I'm going to ask you first, Gaurav. What do you imagine will exist in 50 years? Obviously, you're skeptical about time machines, which is sad, but (laughs) what else can you imagine might exist that would blow us away? 
Yeah, so it's not as much as a thing that would exist or sort of technology as, as perhaps you're thinking about. I was thinking about this question, and I think in my view, the answer is that in 50 years, I'm sure as physicists, our community would have uncovered a much deeper understanding of nature, maybe a full understanding of nature, which from my perspective essentially means a quantum theory of gravity. And that understanding of nature is going to tell us some very surprising, unexpected, maybe even shocking as you ask in your question, things that at the moment we can't even envision or we can't even imagine would uh, would be even realistic. So if I could be around to be able to see what that final theory is, I think there's nothing else I would want to see more. And that I think is going to be the most shocking thing for us. Can you give some examples though of the result of understanding those concepts? You know, so we've talked about, we've touched on a whole number of things today. So for example, this question of singularity, this question of exotic matter, this question of time machines. And part of the reason why we don't quite have a full understanding of these things, in fact, maybe not even part, maybe the whole part, the entire reason we don't have clear answers to these today is because we don't really have a quantum mechanical, so quantum physics equivalent of Einstein's general theory. General relativity is a purely classical theory, meaning it ignores quantum mechanics completely, quantum physics completely. And of course, we know that that's incomplete. Quantum physics is something that's been very well tested. It's been very successful for almost everything, the microscopic world in particular. And there's been a, you know, 50 year plus effort to build a quantum theory of general relativity or quantum theory of gravity as it's referred to as. And that attempt has been a miserable failure of sorts. I mean, so you may have heard of string theory and there's also another theory called loop quantum gravity and many theories that are attempting to do this and they've made progress but it's been very slow discouraging progress but i'm confident and i think the community is confident that the next few decades certainly 50 years there will be better answers than the last 50 years have given us about this theory so that's why i say it's it's sort of a a very mysterious thing. It's going to be ultimate answer will be very intriguing and very shocking to uh, to certainly us, the community, but also what it will mean because it will totally change our conception of what space and time are, what these singularities are. It will really change our view of all of those things, and so it'll be very shocking for everyone. And could I ask you just one other question? Because you are with Caroline working on these theories and time loops and all of these like mind blowing concepts. If you were presented with a time machine, would you jump in there and go somewhere? Would you like to experience? Yeah. But see, I, I'm not going into the past. The past <laughs> is all done and over with. So in the context of the conversation we're having, I'm going to go into the future to figure out what have we discovered, what have we found, and what is the future like? You know, the onward, right? I mean, it's, what's that's the curious part. Like, there's no interest in going back into the past, really, is there? No, no, there isn't. And and I, I'm actually, I was speaking to my partner the other night, and I was saying. I actually don't want to go in a time machine ever. Like I'm intrigued by them and I love them and I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait. 
But I, I, I just don't have the balls. Like I, I wouldn't skydive or anything. I just would not get in any sort of device. <laughs> so um, for you to say that, but then it makes me think that you could be the one secretly with Caroline creating this time <laughs> machine device and you just said you're going to go into the future and find out what exists because it will exist in the next, oh, my God, my mind is just like, yep, definitely. You guys are going into the future and getting the science that you need to come back and use. Cheeky. Okay, I'll leave that one there because that makes me sound like a crazy person. But, Caroline, <laughs> let's go to you. What do you think will exist in the next 50 years that would blow our minds well see (laughs) I tend towards like uh dystopian speculation so I don't know if that's like what you're really looking for (laughs) I reckon there's a bigger chance of that I didn't mean for it to be like that like oh yeah yeah. I'm sure you didn't (laughs) yes but I agree that there's things coming that we're not even ready for and we're just going to screw things up. So, but just elaborate what, I don't mind what you imagine. Oh, okay. So Horizon, like how far out these kind of things are is I think more difficult to speculate than that they might become a problem eventually. But I think AI and full neural interface cybernetics, by which I mean things that not just that don't just help paralyze people move a mouse around on a screen, but that would actually silently integrate with thought processes. I think at some point in the future that will come. And I think that that could be like really change absolutely everything. I mean, you don't even like just people are on their computers so much and it affects the way they think. Imagine if it was actually in their heads. But I think that might be longer in 50, than 50 years. But AI certainly is coming up much faster. Well, with Elon Musk and Neuralink, have you seen that? I haven't seen that. Oh, mm. it, he's putting these cables into brains and it will be something that you can choose to do next year. So basically what he's trying to do is allow the brain to control devices by putting wires, really thin microscopic wires into certain points of the brain well see that in itself i don't think is because those kind of things can be very useful for like prosthetics but they're not integrated into the thought process so it's not a problem to be able to move something with your mind it is a problem potentially if artificial components are fully integrated with your thought process so you don't just have the ability to move a robotic arm with your mind but the robotic arm is telling you what is helping decide what you should think about and i do think that will come eventually but things like cyborgs um, yeah things like what it sounds like elon musk is doing those could potentially be very useful for prosthetics and whatnot. So I don't think that's as much of a problem as things that are much more mental in nature. And things that are much more mental in nature can cause a problem without even being directly wired into the brain, like Facebook and all the things that they've kind of been involved in. Yeah, I have to, like, I'm holding some pretty low hopes, hey, for how humans are going to be able to deal with the technology that they discover and create. But anyway, I don't want to be dystopian either. Yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, you asked, so I tend to think about these things. I, I agree. That's my problem. I get like that. And just that's just because everything is quite black and white out there. We know how humans interact with technology and how we respond to having 
things automatically done for us. We just thought, yeah, we'll take it. We'll do whatever, whatever comes. It's sad. But I do, I want to ask you the question too, Caroline. Okay. Would you jump in a time machine and, and where would you go? What time? Um, well, okay. So I would, you know what I would probably do if I'm going to be thoroughly logical about this? I'd be like, well, can I get back? And I think I'll start out by just going to tomorrow and seeing if that works out for me. Oh, and that's then, logical. Yeah, th- so that's low, but right. But if that works out, then you can start expanding your horizons. <laughs> if you just go a day or a day or two, then it's not that big of a deal. And if things don't work out, it's you've only lost a day or two. But if you decide on the first try that you're going to go a thousand years, and then it turns out that you can't get back, well, then you're stuck in the dark ages or whatever. That's that's also cool because you could go ahead in time, get a lot of numbers, and come back. Yeah. And then you'll- and then you'll have all the money to hire all these engineers <laughs> right. you need to build the time machine. Yeah, there's a lot Sweet. you could do if you, if you have these capabilities. Awesome. Okay, well, I'll let you get on with your evening, I think it is, and we'll chat yeah. soon. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode with Dr. Gareth Kana and Carolyn Mallory. Please like and subscribe on whatever platform you're using. And until next time, stay safe, enjoy the company of your loved ones, and go down as many rabbit holes as you possibly can while you can. <laughs>